This is Life, Body, Business, Impact with Fatima. Welcome, friends. I am so grateful to have you here. I'm your host, Fatima Ingalls, fitness expert, best-selling author, lifestyle entrepreneur, founder of the Life, Body, Business, Fit Systems, and co-founder of the amazing Freedom Retreats. My mission is to positively impact 10 million lives, to inspire you to wake up and live from your bucket list of dreams instead of waking up one day with a bucket list of regrets. Get ready to be inspired with weekly episodes and interviews that disrupt your thinking and motivate you to build your best life, body and business. To change one life is to change many. So come with me now and let's get started with yours. So I actually started my health and wellness business more so as a way to document my own personal journey, you know, when I was a busy resident. And so just kind of, you know, living that hectic lifestyle, full lifestyle. And as a result of not having enough time, I put my body on the back burner. And as a result, I became overweight. I, it affected my self-esteem. It affected my ability to work at my full capacity. You just heard from Dr. Stephanie Burgos, who is otherwise known as a healthy ER doctor. She is our wonderful guest today. She's one of her nation's acclaimed emergency medicine physicians, a best-selling author, wellness expert, and speaker. Dr. Stephanie, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, hello. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for inviting me. And did I get your surname right? You did. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm like, okay, make sure I get that right. So I just want to say on air, congratulations, Dr. Stephanie, you just got married and I watched it all over Instagram and it looked like you had the most amazing time and amazing celebration. Oh my goodness. It was absolutely magical. You know, my now husband and I had been together for 10 years prior to getting married. And so it was just a beautiful celebration of love and joy in our friends and our family. So it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, congratulations on that. You look so, so happy. And for anyone who um, is listening, Dr. Stephanie, if you go um, follow her over on Instagram, which I'll drop the links later, she has got the most amazing energy and the most amazing smart. And this woman loves to dance. But we will get into all of that in a minute. <laughs> Dr. Stephanie, I just want to ask you, what social circle did you grow up in? Like as in, in high school, because you've become a doctor and we'll go a little bit into your story. But what social group were you like, were you in in high school? What was it like growing up for you? So what do you mean by what, what, what was what, it like so growing up? In high school, um, mm-hmm. where, how did you fit in? Because obviously so many things that we do in life come from mm-hmm. what happens in our formative years and through school. Absolutely, yeah. So actually in high school, high school was actually a very tough time for me. <laughs> I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, very, you know, very cliquish, a lot of cliques. And I was part of the honors group. And so I kind of had the same class for all four years here you know high school is four years for us and but I had a tough time I I actually you know I stayed for the most part predominantly with the girls in the honors group but outside of that I actually had a lot of bullying both from the girls within the school as well as some boys from a local all boys high school so it was actually a really tough period for me I think for me I had a wonderful family that was incredibly supportive and I had a very close network, maybe like like two or three really good friends. And I really just buried my head in the books and really focused on, you know, my goals. You know, I always knew that I wanted to be a physician since I was seven years old, actually. I always say seven years old because that's when I actually recall like sitting with my dolls and playing with my dolls and saying that I was a doctor and and I remember just having this huge imagination. And so from that young age, I was pretty focused on becoming a doctor and doing everything that I could to reach that goal. 
Yeah, it's um, interesting that you say, you know, you remember from seven years of age because so many people play, you know, doctors and, and firemen and service people at a young age, but you actually from the age of seven knew what you, you wanted to be, which is, I don't think it happens as often these days because people change careers so often. They, you know, don't know exactly what they want to be from a young age, but you always wanted to be a doctor. And you mentioned being bullied when you were going through high school by guys and girls. How has that affected the your resilience and the type of person that you have become on your own journey? Because I'd love you to sh- I'd love for you to share what it took for you to get into medical school. Absolutely, yeah. So I think hands down, not everyone is going to like me, right? That not everyone is going to approve of me, and that there are some unhappy people out there that do not so nice things, and that is not necessarily a reflection of me, but it's really a reflection of what they're going through, or maybe their background, or their you know their upbringing. And so mm-hmm. I think going through that. But then also having the support of my family, that was also key because that allowed me to also know, hey, you know what, no matter what life throws at you, you have a really supportive background. You have a beautiful family that loves you and supports you. And no matter what, they're going to stand behind you. And so those two things are really incredibly important, especially when you are going after a big career goal, like becoming a physician. And so actually when on my path, my path to becoming a physician was challenging in a sense that I wasn't the best student all the time. I was not great at standardized tests. And at different key points along the the journey in high school and college, I had both sides. I had the person who told me, yes, you can do it. And then I had the person who told me, no, this is not for you and you can't do this. And I remember actually in high school, I had someone who told me, you know, I couldn't, they were actually very surprised that I got into high into the college that I got into. They were, I learned to find out they were just more jealous. It was just someone who didn't get into as good of a college and they were just trying to be mean. And in, in college, because I didn't have the best of grades, the advisor was advising me against, you know, a, applying to medical school. And I remember just really thinking, you know what, this is something I've always wanted to do. What do I have to lose? I am going to do whatever it takes. And I actually remember my first semester of college was actually one of my hardest semesters. I stopped, not that I stopped, but it was really challenging. And I didn't go to class as much as I should have because I stopped, I kind of gave up at a certain point where I was like, this is really hard. I was a science major. Anyone who has studied the sciences knows that it's incredibly challenging. And I just was like, I don't know if I could do this. And at different points of my story and my journey, I also had key people or or I would say kind of like key mentors. And it's one of the main reasons why I believe so much in mentorship, because it's so incredibly important that you have someone who believes in you as well. So I had key mentors. And so that summer after call co- that summer after my first semester of college, I reached out to a hundred alumni of my school. So a hundred alumni, only two people got back to me, which again, all of these little things helped me along the way, because look, look at the numbers. I reach out to a hundred people, you know, a hundred different people, you put out a hundred different, you know, um, you know, trying to, to reach out to someone and only two people responded. One was a yes, one was a no. And that yes ended up really reigniting the fire in me to want to become a doctor again. So then I came back and I spent the rest of my college really working towards trying to improve my grades because I had really, you know, I didn't have the best of grades. And when it came to applying to medical school, even though my advisor told me not to, I decided to apply, you know, to 30 medical schools. And I'll also say that here in the States, we have to take a standardized test in order to even apply for medical school. And I didn't do well on that test at all. Like I did not do well at all. I then took it again and I did worse on the, on the second time. Yes, it was horrible. And I remember just feeling completely defeated. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to try anyway. I'm just going to try anyway. I'm going to, you know, apply as broadly as I can. And so I actually applied to 30 schools. So I applied to 30 schools and I sat and I waited and I got the first letter and the first letter was a no. 
And then I got the second letter, it was a no. The third letter, a no. The fourth letter, a no. Five, six, seven, all the way to 29. I got 29 rejections of wow. not going into, you know, of basically saying, nope, you can't do this. And that was a key pivotal moment for me in my overall like history, I would say, just because the, the school, the 30th school in a sense had misplaced my application. And so I actually had to call that school. And so I always tell people, would you have called after getting 29 no's? Would you have called after getting 29 rejections? Or would you have said, you know what? It's hopeless. I'm not even going to bother. And I said, you know what? I applied to 30 schools. I want to hear from the last school. So I need to figure out what's going on. And so I picked up the phone and I called them. They told me they had misplaced it, but that they would get back to me. And I actually want to say, I actually ended up going to an interview for the school because you have to go to an interview. And the person who interviewed me told me that I would fail. He told me in my interview process that I would fail. And he said, I don't know. And (laughs) given the message at so many different points in your life and your journey to achieving this goal that you're not going to make it you're not good enough. No, it's not going to happen. But you just have not taken no for an answer, which is a huge lesson right there. Absolutely. A huge life lesson for not just entrepreneurs, but anything that anyone is doing in their life, anything that you want or you have to pursue, because you mentioned it before, the numbers, like two people responded out of a hundred that you reached out to. And so many things in life is a numbers game, right? Whether it is a job that you're going for, whether um, it's a, a business goal or a dream, um, how many no's do you, do you um, receive or take before you actually give up? Right, exactly. And we have, and it's, and it's a constant reminder. And, and so I ended up getting into that last school, hence why now I'm a doctor and they told me yes, and it was absolutely wonderful. But you're right, it's, it's a constant reminder. And I, and I truly believe that I went through that, especially because of some of my bigger goals that I want to accomplish in the future. I know that it's going to be a numbers game. I know that it's going to be, you know what, you keep going, even if you have doors shut, you know, right in front of you, even if people are telling you no, you stay on track with your vision and you stay on track with whatever your goals are. And you just have complete 100% faith that it's going to happen no matter what. And you proceed in that fashion. And so I would say that is one of the biggest, you know, one of the best lessons that that I've learned. So when you would get a no, how do you Mm -hmm. deal with it? I mean, now you've, you've seen the proof, right? So when we get proof, it's easy to have faith that something's going to work when we've been been on a similar journey before and had the proof that, yep, I got so many rejections and it took that extra reaching out to someone or being persistent or trying one more time to actually achieve it. The more you do that, I think the easier it becomes to just keep pushing through the no. So when you get a no um, or a rejection per se, what do you do? How do you handle it? You just go next. So it depends. <laughs> I think, I honestly think this is, this is not the, it's not a black and white question to ask only because it just depends on what it is that you're getting rejected for. Okay. And so I would say that, you know, along the way, there have been times where I've, I've, you know, being able to talk to close people around you, you know, you have to be very mindful and careful of who you share your experiences with, because you want to be around someone that's going to lift you up and not someone that's going to say, oh, you know what, maybe you should stop. Maybe you should, maybe this is the answer that, you know, you shouldn't go after this. So I would say, number one is making sure that you have a really good support system that you can bounce you know, there in a way, share your experience, right? Because you have to internalize, you know, you internalize it. You can, you know, for me, sometimes I'll, you know, depending on what the rejection is, I'll let out a few tears of frustration. You know, it's not good to keep things bottled in. It's important to have someone that you can speak, you know, about how you're feeling and someone who's going to help you lift yourself up. Now, you also have to be your biggest cheerleader and you also have to remember and just that, that constant reminder that, you know what, this is part of the process. And so I would say, yes, a big part of it is just kind of saying, okay, this is a no, remembering 
what you've gone through, remembering that this is part of the process, this is, this is expected, and just taking it as, you know, taking it as feedback. What can you do, you know, what can you do better? You know, maybe asking, you know, emailing them and asking them, you know, for what reason did, you know, did, did this not work out? Or is there something that I could do better? I can continue to work on. And, you know, and just really looking at the rejections as small little feedbacks of some, there's something you can do a little bit better. And I say this only because like, and I was saying that it's black or white only because I feel like the journey to medicine has also has been in a sense, a little bit different, uh, a little bit different than my journey to being an entrepreneur. And I would say like in terms of creating your own products, you know, having your own kind of like when you're, when you're chasing a career, there's something that you, you know, you already know the steps that need to happen. There's not so much of you, but when you are building a business from scratch or you're an entrepreneur and you, it's a little bit different, it's, it's, it is harder, you know, to, when you, when you get that rejection and it takes even more of your own kind of inner self-talk to really help you get over those humps. That's why I was like, it depends on where the reject, like what type of a rejection are we talking about? Yeah, I, I get that point. So I really like what you said there about taking it as feedback and actually reaching out and asking for the feedback so that you can continue to grow rather than taking it personally. And also you mentioned, you know, letting the emotion out as a doctor. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on people not processing their emotions? What's your experience from a doctor's perspective where people don't actually address and release and process stuff that's going on in life? Because, you know, obviously 50, more than 50% of marriages end up in divorce these days and there's all sorts of mental health issues. I mean, you would know so much more about it than what I do, obesity, all those sorts of things. But emotionally, if people don't deal with it, what do you see happen as a doctor? Yeah, so I believe emotions are, you know, taking from one of my favorite speakers and, and kind of mentors that he doesn't know he's my mentor, Tony Robbins. He, <laughs> he, always, <laughs> he doesn't know that I'm one of the, he's one of my biggest mentors, but he, you know, he says, or other people say as well, you know, energy, you know, emotions are energy in motion. And, you know, for me, when I believe that when people do not have a safe place to release, and it's important that I say safe place, to release their emotions and to experience their emotions, that energy gets trapped in your body. And that energy gets trapped in your body and leads to stress, physical and emotional stress. And stress is a silent killer. I tell my patients all the time that stress and not processing through your emotions and just having that blocked energy within you is slowly killing you, like literally killing you. And so for me, it's so incredibly important that you process your emotions, that you release your tears. I actually was having a conversation with a good friend of mine recently, and we were discussing this. And I said, you know, we are meant to be processing, you know, our disappointment and our sadness, just like we are meant to process our joy. We laugh, you know, we have tears, you know, for a reason. And yet so often, so many people are afraid to show their emotions. They're afraid, you know, to, to be seen as vulnerable and to really release that. But I believe it's incredibly like super important for people to do that, especially in mental health, you know, for mental health reasons, for, you know, for helping with anxiety, for helping with depression, you know, and it's like when you do not release those emotions, it stays in the body and it can cause disease. Yeah, and I, I guess you see that so clearly um, in the ER room. I guess sometimes, correct me if I'm wrong, but people probably think that ER is all about accidents and blood and all those sorts of things, but you get people with um, the results of stress and unhealthy Absolutely. lifestyles, right? Like, oh. Heart attack. And that's not, that's anyone. I mean, entrepreneurs and people who have high level jobs are really, are really bad for it as well. Because from my coaching experience, what I've seen is that they may have um, an amazing career. They may have a really great, amazing career, but they're not physically healthy or they're not mentally well. They may be, there are people who are really physically um, healthy, but they don't have um, happy relationships. You need all pieces of the puzzle to have a really whole life, don't you? 
Yes, absolutely. You know, it's truly the 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 physical, the emotional, the mental, the mind, body, spirit. You know, is it's you need all three to be healthy. And you're right. In the ER, every single time I work, it's constant reminder of the of the need for the work that I do on social media, which is you know just talking about mindset and really encouraging people to maintain a healthy lifestyle and to make their body a priority. You know, we see a lot of like you said, we see a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of suicide attempts, a lot of heart attacks. You know, disease. You know, and actually one of the main reasons as to why I actually started promoting on social media is because of seeing young women in the ER who, you know, wanting to commit suicide. And I was like, this is, you know, here in the US, and I'm sure all over the world, we just have such a huge issue now, not issue, but it's really the weight, a huge weight for us is, is depression, is depression and anxiety. And it's really weight, weighing people down and stopping them from living their full life and stopping them from going after their dreams. So, so yes, so absolutely. All, all parts are super important. Is depression something that you have ever had to deal with? So I have not had to deal, fortunately. Fortunately, I've been incredibly blessed that I have not had to deal with depression, which is really interesting that that's like one of the main reasons why I do this, because usually people do, you know, usually people want to do things to, and they're sharing a a part of their history. But yeah. I think because I've just been exposed to it, I think so much, and I see it, you know, in terms of, you know, in terms of as a, as a, as a healthcare provider, mm-hmm. I, and also I see it within my own family that I think that's how I'm closely attached to it. I've seen what depression can do to my family members, to close friends. And I truly believe that we're put on this earth and we're put on this planet not to be, you know, trapped in our mind, but to really be living full lives, you know, connecting with each other and loving each other and contributing to society. And when I think of how many people are depressed and anxious and trapped in their own mindset, that is, you know, they're not going out and being as big, you know, contributors to society as they could be if they were fully happy and fully living with joy and fully, you know, living out all of their passions and their creativities. And so, but no, I have, I personally have never suffered from depression or anxiety. Yeah, well, that's wonderful for you. And I guess it's testament to maybe the support that you've also had around you, but everyone these days is touched by mental illness and things like that you working in ER as a medical provider absolutely see it so what are your thoughts and what are the things that you would like to see everyone doing in relation to dealing with or avoiding or managing becoming depressed or having mental health issues obviously that leads to a lot of um, suicidal thoughts some people completely go through with it I mean suicide rates are ridiculous all over the world and it touches everyone it doesn't matter of your you know your class your race your um, income level it is affecting so many people and there's a major fallout to the people that are left so what would you say to people what would you like to see more to not have more people in your er room that are being really adversely affected by the mental health issues that are going on yeah i think well number one you know if i had to kind of break it down into categories if i had to say okay what do you need to do first for you personally for your physical body i think number one everyone should be you know, have an exercise regimen, everyone should be moving their body every single day, you know, at the end of the day, our the energy that we put out, we in a sense, have to build that every single day and be intentional. And so for me, I love dancing, you know, I dance a lot on my social media, I encourage people, yes, to you do. Put, I, I encourage people to put on a good song and to shake their, you know, shake their booty and just kind of, you know, do it with their kids and just have fun and have that be one of the first things that you do every single day. And also just really sticking to an exercise regimen, whether it's something you do in your home, you go to a class, you go, you walk outside with your kids, but that daily movement is key because as you, that daily movement, and when you release those natural endorphins, those natural feel good hormones, and you get that good 
fluid and you get your body sweaty and you get, you actually are, you know, releasing amazing hormones for your body. That's going to help you with your mood. And it's going to help you feel better. You're going to look better because you're exercising and you're burning calories, but you're also building your self-confidence also because every single time that we make a commitment to ourselves and we come and we keep that commitment to ourselves, we're building that inner trust. We're building our own personal self-confidence because every single time that we tell ourselves no, or we decide, no, we're not going to keep our own personal commitment. We're actually breaking trust with ourselves within our subconscious mind. And so I believe, you know, it's incredibly important that you're exercising incredibly important that you're watching what you're putting into your body, that you're putting, you know, that you're eating nutritious, what I like to call, you know, foods that are alive, you know, foods that are, you know, like vegetables and fruits and foods that are not processed, you know, that are not heavily processed and are not high in sugar because sugar, like for me, sugar is a depressant for me personally, it's a depressant. And what I mean by that is if I go on a sugar binge two nights and I eat a ton of sugar, whether it's in the form of ice cream or cake or even like something that has a lot of sugar in the dish, I guarantee you like clockwork, I will wake up tomorrow morning, very groggy, very tired, feeling really down. And it has every, and so I think it's incredibly important that we're more mindful of what we're putting into our body and realizing the connection of how what we're putting in could be affecting our mood and could be making us, you know, have no energy, could be, you know, could literally be causing more inflammation and stress, but especially with the mood. So when it comes to combating depression and anxiety, you know, really being mindful of how are you eating? How are you, you know, how much water are you getting in? Are you staying hydrated? All of these things are vital, you know, for our body, but not just physically, but truly emotionally and mentally. And then, so I would say, you know, exercise, nutrition, you know, feeding your mind every single day is incredibly important. And what I mean by feeding your mind, it's, is listening to positive people, listening to, you know, what we call, you know, personal development, really continuing to improve yourself and work on yourself. So often people stop learning and growing when they finish school, you know, the typical, you know, school. But we should continue to learn and grow. We should continue to work on our communication, continue to ask how can we improve? How can we grow? How can we work on our perception of things and how we internalize things? And that's all that's all inner work. And by doing that, you're going to be building your coping skills, which are going to help you with depression. It's going to help you with anxiety, right? Because if you have strong coping skills, when life throws obstacles at you, when life throws stresses at you, you're going to be able to cope better. You're going to be able to perceive things in a healthier way. And you're going to have healthier you know, ways to, to work on that stress because we're always going to have instances of stress in our life. It's going to keep coming. It's not, you know, there's no way we can't have stress. So I would say working on your mindset every single day. I think something that's also incredibly important is focusing on gratitude every single day when it comes to combat, you know, these are little things, you know, things that people should be doing, you know, focusing on the things that we want, you know, what we focus on, we'll get more of, you know, we, you know, that, you know, whatever we focus on. So if we focus on the things that we appreciate, guess what, you're going to get more of that, you're going to get more of those things that you appreciate. And, you know, so really focusing and, and keeping a daily gratitude journal, you know, in the morning, in the evening, doing it with your children and your and your significant other, you know, really leading your family in that is going to be incredibly powerful. And then the last thing I would add is contribution is doing something good for someone else. I think that's something that I've more recently, even though I am a doctor and I'm helping people, I, I you know, to, to actually be more mindful of, of truly contributing to others. And the more that you give, the more that you receive. And so I think if you're focusing on helping other people, you actually receive a lot more in that process, you know, when you're doing that. Yeah, such wonderful, wonderful points. I agree with um, all of what you have just said and contribution. It doesn't matter whether it's contribution of time or money. So if you don't have a lot of money to give, it's not about that. It's about how 
you can help. And personally, I know when I started incorporating that in my life some years ago, it it filled a part of me that I didn't know was empty. It was like a gift to myself to actually be able to help someone else. So I was helping them, but they were actually helping me by having the opportunity to to contribute to society. So, so, so fulfilling. Um, obviously, there is stress in life. You mentioned it. There's ups and downs. But all the points that Dr. Stephanie just mentioned there, write them down. Um, we hear it time and time again, mind feed, personal development. Every guest I think that I have interviewed on this show says the same thing. You have to fill your mind with all the good stuff first thing in the morning, move, um, eat really good foods. In terms of the food and eating live foods, I like that because people say, quite often eat real food and we shouldn't have to say that it should be eating food because there's so much processed food out there that well it's not really food is it it's just a bunch of chemicals yeah so in terms of eating live food and how it affects your body what are your thoughts on the quality of it and supplementation personally I supplement my body a lot because my understanding is that even though I now and I never I didn't used to eat very well but now eat very well and a lot of live foods I still believe I'm not getting as many nutrients as I should from those foods so supplement can you share your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I know I, you know, I can only speak mostly for the U.S., but here, you know, here we definitely have a horrible nutrition system. It is unfortunately the way foods are grown, the way foods are processed, but especially with the way foods are grown, even in a lot of our vegetables, there's still a lot of nutrient poor foods, even though the, and so you're right, I actually supplement every single day. And I believe in quality, you know, vitamin supplementation, you know, taking a quality, you know, your meal replacement shake or something that has a, a quality vitamins and superfoods. Because again, the way our foods are being grown in today's time are not as nutrient rich, you know, as they used to be. And so, so yes, I agree. I supplement every single day and I encourage people at the very least to, to at least eat, you know, to at least take a multivitamin and, and to really be mindful of that and to make sure you're going outside for vitamin D and just really, you know, so yes, it's incredibly important. It's funny with the vitamin D because here in Australia, you know, we, we are told often not to go out in the sun between certain times because of skin cancer and to lather yourself with all this um, sunscreen to protect your skin, which has nasty chemicals in it, which... Yeah you know, are known to cause um, health issues. I'm not going to say exactly my thoughts on that right now, but, um, you know, you would know vitamin D affects your depression and your mental health. It does, it does, yeah. And actually I'm low in vitamin D and I live in Florida. So I need to work on improving, you know, getting some more supplementation of some sort with vitamin D as well. It's just getting, you know, we don't get outside enough, all of us. We don't, we're not outside as much as we should be, you know, whether it's, going for a walk or, you know, I've thought about even going for a walk and listening to my personal development, you know, on a daily walk in the morning. No, you know, you don't have to be like midday, you know, in the middle of this, you know, when the sun is at its hottest, but you can definitely catch it on, you know, either in the morning, you know, right before the sun is at its strongest or in the evening. But yes. Um, I want to ask you a question in relation to school because of talking about people making changes in their lives and how it affects everyone around them. If there is one thing you would like to see done differently or taught differently in schools now, which you feel would have an impact on the people that are coming through in your ER room, what would it be? What change would you like or what would you like to be taught in our schools? Ooh, that's a good question. I definitely, well, there's two things. I definitely think we need to be taught more nutrition in our schooling, but I also would say taught meditation in our schooling. I think meditation is key. It's actually one of the things that I've been incorporating more of over the past several months that has completely transformed my life, that along with yoga. And so I think if we had, if we were teaching students more to be more mindful and to learn to sit a little bit with themselves, even in silence, 
or even with a calming quality frequency because there's you know there's all the science behind different frequencies you know mm-hmm. being able to affect the subconscious mind and have a positive impact on the subconscious mind and just kind of sitting in that in that frequency of the of the noise but i think meditation would be wonderful because i think that'll help because what i've seen with meditation is that it really truly it helps your reactivity and what i mean by reactivity is it helps your your reactions and how you react to to things in life you know for me it's it slowed me down in a very encouraging and positive way. You know, I used to have what they call like the monkey brain. And I used to say, I could never meditate. I could never do yoga. I could never sit inside. Like I probably until about a year and a half ago, you you would have told me I'd be talking to you about meditation and looking into more about meditation and wanting to do silent retreats. You it's, it's completely one, you know, completely different woman, but it has been so incredibly powerful. And I think if we taught it in schools, there would be a a dramatic effect on, you know, on the kids coming through. Yeah, wonderful point. And I know that there are some schools out and about um, starting to do those sorts of things. So really good point. You mentioned a silent retreat there. Have you done one yet? Are you I definitely going? Are you just thinking about it now? I'm thinking about it. Well, I'm thinking about it. I'm definitely thinking I want to become yoga certified. Uh, that's part of my goal list and my, my you know, my list of, of goals in life. But I definitely have been interested in doing a silent retreat. I've wanted to do one for a, you know, for a while, actually, even before I started getting into meditation, I was always intrigued by it. The thought of a silent retreat to me some years ago was just like, hell no, I'm such a talker. Like, why would I want to just go and be quiet? I, I think I would go crazy. But I've also considered it recently. I won't do it while I have kids. I'll have to wait till they're like out of the home. But one of my guests um, in episode eight, Michelle Richards, she has done three silent um, retreats, 10 day retreats in different places. And she describes um, what happens to your body and like, when you come back, your taste and your smell and your senses, how heightened it is because you're just so connected and being so quiet. So that after that interview, I was so intrigued to, you know, that I actually started to consider maybe doing one of these, but it'd have to be three or four days. I don't think I could go for 10 days straight up. <laughs> that's, that's definitely a long time, but I'm sure you can. Yeah, 10 days is a long. Right now, I'm just trying to habitualize daily meditation <laughs> and sitting and making the time for that. That's right now. That's when I think about what's the next level, Stephanie, she is a meditator. You know, I'm always asking myself, like, what's the next level version of myself and what is it that she does? And, you know, to start incorporating that. And, and so, and she is hands down a daily meditator up to like an hour a day is my goal of, of straight silence and meditation. And so you'll see it. I would encourage you to do it. I would encourage you to start, if you're not meditating, you know, start meditating and your body literally starts to crave it. It's the same thing with like definitely. yoga and the silence. I do. Um, I wouldn't say meditation is a habit. It's a forming habit at the moment. And I know plenty of people that do and don't. I fall in and out of it because all of a sudden the routine falls by the wayside as life gets busy. I'm like, oh, I haven't meditated for a week. And same thing. I do start to crave it. And I've just, I think school holidays were on and I didn't meditate for a week. And then I was like, right, back to meditation. And what do you do guided or just music meditation? Now I just do music meditation or I listen to like the ocean. I, when I first started, so for anyone who wants to start, I do suggest guided meditation. I think that's the easiest way to kind of start into it. And there's plenty of like monkey brain with your thoughts going all over the place. And there's there's plenty of free meditation, you know, free meditation challenges on, you know, online that you can find online or through certain apps. Yeah. Uh, I think there's one called calm and insights. So I I use calm. It's definitely made my life better doing that meditation. But, yeah, so guided and music. Dr. Stephanie, you have um, shared so much amazing stuff. You do have a couple of books. One of them is a children's book as well, right? Yeah, 
One's called okay. Stephanie X-Ray and you can find it over on Amazon. And it's basically about a young girl who develops a superpower and the superpower is a picture book. So it's meant for kind of like four five, six, seven year olds. And so it's about a young girl and she, she takes the superpower and allows her to get into medical school. So it just talks to, you know, speaking to children about, you know, what superpower do they have and, you know, using your own skill set and what you're good at to do good in the world. So that's Stephanie X-Ray. And then I also have a book called Healthier You Project. And that is a book that I wrote based on the mindset, like mindset shifts and nutrition shifts that I needed to make in my own personal life to really start seeing the changes, you know, that I needed in my own body. So it's really kind of more of my lessons and what that I learned were absolutely key and things that I believe people should be, you know, doing and trying in their life. And those are both available on Amazon. I'll make sure the link is in the show notes. And where can people go and connect with you? Is Instagram the best place? Instagram is the best place to find me as of now. Yep. Um, over What's your Instagram ER. handle? Healthy ER Doc. Healthy so. ER Doc. So, guys, um, get on it. Go follow Dr. Stephanie. She has an amazing, amazing energy. I hope you have been scribbling notes down because there's so much gold there. Um, one of the other points that I really love that you shared earlier was in relation to trust and making agreements with yourself. So, just really think about that. That's how you create trust with people, by making and keeping lots of small agreements. And start maybe doing that with yourself. So, think about what's the next level you? I know I'm definitely going to think about today. Okay, what's the next level Fatima based on what you have just shared with us? So do you have any parting messages? Any parting message? I would definitely say, you know, it's incredibly important. Like you're saying that you make small commitments to yourself and realize that whatever you're trying to achieve, whatever your career goal is, whatever your vision is, in order to achieve it, you're going to need a healthy mind and a healthy body. And so it's not selfish to prioritize yourself you know, and it's actually, I believe, you know, incredibly important and it needs to be a priority. Self-care absolutely needs to be a priority in order for you to have the ultimate success in your life. So wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us and for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I truly hope you have found it beneficial and have taken some value from it. Hopefully a lot. If you did, please, please share this show with anyone you feel may need to hear it. I would also absolutely love if you would take a minute or two to review this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you happen to be listening to it on. With your help, we can accomplish my mission to positively impact 10 million lives. That would be so awesome. Now, if you want to connect with me or my guests on other platforms, or if you want to send me an email with questions or ideas of guests to interview, please check out the show notes. I am so incredibly grateful to have had your time today and I can't wait to have you on the next episode. Have a great day.